You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. What a game today. Is there, that's the nicest way I can put it, right? Rather than focus too much on the game, we will talk about some talk about some disturbing stats and the like, things like that. I thought we'd spend some time, and in the second half of the show, take a step back from negativity. I did finally write a p- something over on my... Uh, let me make sure I give you guys the uh, the exact correct <laughs> web headline. MLBDraftNow.blogspot.com. Uh, since 24-7, got rid of baseball. That's where I occasionally pop up when I get the time and uh, the desire to write. But one of my daily traditions is the shadow draft. So I did my shadow draft and that's up over there you can see that right now uh with all of my thoughts all the five rounds six picks of the indians we'll get into that a bit on the show so today's game was awful uh another brilliant performance wasted now zach plesak seven innings just four hits three earned runs one walk six strikeouts but four of those hits were two of those four hits were home runs and if you're like me you were watching at home and the Indians just kept shooting themselves in the foot. That's the story of this game. Uh, Lindor getting caught stealing when they can't get anyone on base. I understand that you can't get anyone on base, so you want to try to get him to scoring position, but it's not an ideal situation to, to have him running when they have a very good catcher back there. Um, the passed ball that uh, Cesar Hernandez gets a terrible jump on. It wasn't just that it was delayed because he had to see if the other guy went. Everything about it was terrible. So instead of having guys that... First and third, if he has a bad jump, don't go. Or second and third, if he had a better jump with one out, it's two outs, and then strikeout ends the inning. You know, just perfect timing. And then with Plesak's second home run, he is concentrating all of his attention to first base. He is just focused in on first base. That is what he's paying attention to. Pickoff move after pickoff move. And he's got a great pickoff move. He gets tons of that, but no one runs on him because of, of that. You have a one-run lead focus on the plate. He's not, you know, attempts to pick off ball one, attempts to pick off ball two. Attempts, you know, you could tell, even in the game as they're talking about, you could also tell just watching. I mean, his, his stuff was not as sharp because he kept doing that. And Joey Votto takes him deep, and that's the difference in this game. Two-run shot, that's how they win. Three, two, two in this one. Francisco Lindor had his third home run of the year, but in general, I mean, ugh. Um, 14 strikeouts. 14 strikeouts. Uh, Franmil Reyes, three strikeouts. He's just, he doesn't know what he's doing right now. Uh, it's crazy how bad Franmil Reyes looks at the plate. Uh, Daniel Johnson, if you watch that final inning, the pitch he swung on was a good six, eight inch. It was almost shoulder height. Like, he is pressing so badly. Um, you need Zimmer in there most days. Like, if you're not going to uh, play him against, uh, he's a lefty, right? And in my mind, if you're not going to play him against lefties, at least have him out there the rest of the time. He's one of the few guys who's performing pretty decently right now. So let him play. Greg Allen, uh, not great. 0 for 2 with the strikeout. Did reach base when he let himself get hit. It's just, it's more the same. Now, there was a great tweet. I want to make sure I, I credit Michael Bode, uh, MG Bode underscore uh, WYF. NY, Michael Bode at winning for next year, had going into today's game, had the Indians starting outfield, is a combined three for 39, one walk and nine strikeouts on the season. 
Tonight they went one for nine, so now you're up to four for 48. Uh, 15 strikeouts, went from nine to 15 strikeouts. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you, one walk, one hit by pitch, they did double their amount of uh, ways of getting on base without collecting an out. Uh, I know hit by pitches are separate from walks, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, four for 48. And then, like I said, you just look at this situation. Santana is, is struggling. Uh, Lindor has been okay. Cesar Hernandez has been okay. Jose Ramirez is great. But in this one, he went 0 for 4 at the strikeout. He didn't provide anything. Uh, and when given chances with runners in scoring position, both in yesterday's game and today's game, uh, it's two games in a row where he came up in an important at bat and went down quietly. So something to pay attention to there. And for as good as Jose has been, uh, he's also cooled down a bit if you look at the stats. Now, just early season short sample size. It's not like he's going to fall apart. Uh, but you get past Santana, it's the land of guys hitting under 200. Uh, these OPSs of 394 by Fran Mel Reyes, that'd be a disappointing slugging for Fran Mel Reyes, let alone an OPS. Uh, Mercado, we talked about the situation there where he was incredibly streaky, and I have my concerns if he is you know, a legitimate starting outfielder. Uh, we'll have to see. Over on the red side of things, Christian Cologne was the DH. What? Yeah, no, like he's not a guy who I consider like an everyday major leaguer, and that's who they had to put in their DH spot. Uh, Nick Senzel was is hurt, which affected them. But you look at that, the Reds in this one, uh, seven strikeouts, just four hits. Uh, Galvis, Akiyama, Vado, Castellanos. Uh, Castellanos has been on fire. Uh, throughout this and that even that home run I remember being like you got him 3-1 why are you throwing him that pitch like it was just it was bad pitch placement and then uh being focused on Akiyama instead of Vado came back to get them there they only had one walk in this one the Indians only had two walks and hit by uh pitch it was a game that could have won I mean Sonny Gray was continuing to be utterly phenomenal he had the the home run and then the Indians manufactured a run that's the in some regards, the craziest thing is that second run they scored was a hit. Then, uh, what, like a pair of wild pitches and um, a missed throw. It was a failed pickoff, advanced him, and then a wild pitch, or maybe two wild pitches. I can't remember the specifics now. But, yeah, that's, that's where we are, that they, they needed all of those things on the side to just get a second run in this game because they're going to strike out 14 times and essentially five through nine in the lineup can't do hardly anything you had one hit and a hit by pitch and a walk and that was your five through nine it's uh it's a struggle right now i i don't know what you say or do for the indians uh starting pitching stays phenomenal uh this is like i said the reds are the indians mirror right now and i talked about it on yesterday's podcast they are struggling as well offensively they're i mean eugenio suarez all-star level third baseman. Uh, I said that Lindor for Suarez wouldn't be a fair deal right now, but Suarez is such a good hitter. Uh, when I talked in the offseason, I should say, he's such a good hitter and he has such a team-friendly contract. Like he's, a, to me, one of the top you know five to six third basemen in baseball. And he's hitting .086. Like, they're having their issues. They have Castellanos, who's even hotter than uh, Jose Ramirez, and he had the big hit today. Vado, today was his first game back, and he is playing well. 
in the chances he's had. But uh, yeah, ugly, continued ugly performance, four straight losses for the Cleveland Indians. And I mean, you go and you look at the record, they're five and six. Uh, of those five wins, two came against a Kansas City Royals team that was racked with COVID and a third of the roster was uh, affected by COVID and could not play. So, I mean, being five and six, they had some luck at the start of the year. They may not even be there. This team may not be as good as you know, even someone like myself thought. We'll have to see if it comes together, how it comes together. But the the clutching for straws kind of early and the way that they're using their you know million and a half outfielders is definitely a concern. Um, we'll see what happens. I really liked uh, how they were set up, but again, I you know Domingo Santana and Bradley Zimmer are both performing okay when given an opportunity. So of course neither of them played in this game. Uh, Sonny Gray is not left-handed, so that doesn't affect Zimmer, and Domingo Santana has pretty okay career splits against lefties and righties. He's just terrible at defense. We're really hitting a point in time where Santana should be playing every day as the DH, and Fran Mill, you find a way to get him reps here and there, uh, but if he, he came to camp out of shape. Uh, he's a player who, you know, you go back two years ago before his breakout, he was unprotected in the Rule 5 draft, and no one selected him, and then he had his huge season, he followed it up, and the Indians got him, and then he came to camp, you know, not ready to go, and that's a concern for a guy his size. Uh, some of those bigger guys can, uh, if they don't have the right uh, drive and you know they're not following things correctly, uh, size becomes an issue in a negative way. Our sponsor today is Postmates. I have talked about Postmates many times on the show. They've been our sponsor for over a year now, off and on in this podcast. And Postmates is a service that gives you what you want, when you want it. Doesn't matter the time, doesn't matter the day. Wherever, whenever, Postmate it. You're going to download the app for iOS or Android. Uh, you're going to go in there. You're going to use the promo code Locked On, all one word, no space, and you're going to get a hundred dollars of free delivery credit for your first seven days. It can be from a restaurant. It can be your uh, groceries. It can be something from the convenience store. Uh, you're just going to you go to Postmates, open it up, and see what's available. The opportunities to use this app are only limited by where you live. So go check it out. That's $100 free delivery credit. It means that you can have someone bring you your groceries for the first week. You can have someone bring you things from the drugstore. You can have someone bring you your dinner if you're just not feeling like going out. Uh, have a week on Locked On. Go in there and use that promo code Locked On, all one word, and get $100 of free delivery credit. So i got to stop recording like right after the game or in the middle of the game because it just makes it even more depressed and probably uh, not as rational in terms of just talking about the performance uh, of the game. It's it's just hard. It, you know, they had a chance to win this one. It was a great performance, and the offense just, it just, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Uh, and we talked about that on yesterday's show. It just continues to get worse. Indians did make a minor move. They added Cameron Rupp to their uh, their 60 players. That takes them up to 58. Um, why did they add Cameron Rupp? Is this uh, a sign that something is wrong with Roberto Perez? Well, if you listen to the game, they said that no, he's actually feeling a lot stronger. You add Cameron Rupp because you only have three uh, record, three records, three catchers currently on uh, roster who are healthy, and that's Bo Taylor. San De Leon and Bo Naylor is their third catcher. 
They liked having Taylor travel with them as a third catcher, an emergency catcher. And Rupp was with them in spring training. So it's someone who knows the staff who's been around, and he will fill that role. And then when hopefully Roberto Perez gets healthy, if he gets healthy quickly, then Rupp gives him another guy who can catch in Lake County, just gives him depth, and that's all that is. Uh, Don't uh, overestimate or freak out. This is just he knows the team, he knows the staff, and you need catching depth, uh, especially when you're already down a catcher. So let's transition over. Let's begin this final segment of the show and, uh, and, you know, radio slash podcast talk about the shadow draft. It is interesting because when I started my shadow draft, I really had it set in mind of keeping that P.D. Halpin pick and everything was kind of based around that where I knew I was going to change their first rounders because it didn't quite match up with the value I had. And I approached the whole draft that way. And then after I wrote up like the first three picks I kind of realized wait like I like Petey Halpin a lot I love that pick but the Indians are awful at uh at outfield development uh let me pull up the exact numbers that I put on Twitter okay since 2000 uh the top five drafted and signed outfielders for the Cleveland Indians in order uh based on their war Luke Scott Ryan Church Tyler Naquin Ben Francisco and Bradley Zimmer the only prep outfielder they've drafted in any round, remember for a long time these were 50-round drafts and 40-round uh, drafts, the only prep outfielder who uh, has even played 100 games in the majors over the last, uh, since 2000, is Clint Frazier. So they uh, are really bad for whatever reason at the development of outfielders. It has just not been a strength, and I thought about that. And then I also realized like I liked Halpin, but he was not in my top 50 you know, one players for for a reason, there was a, a few more concerns. Some of his uh, hit uh, velocity data didn't quite measure up with some other players, and that was kind of the knockdown where he, he didn't have maybe great bat speed or he didn't have huge exit velocities, but he had a lot of great tools. So I thought about it, especially because Halpin was so expensive. Uh, I changed everything on the fly and made myself rewrite everything. So I'm just going to kind of dive into the shadow draft. This will be the bow on the uh, 2020 draft coverage. Pick 23, uh, Nick, or I'm sorry, Carson Tucker, original pick. I switched to Nick Bitsko. Uh, when we got to pick 23, there were three of my top 20 players on the board, and they were uh, Bitsko, Tyler Soderstrom, and Dylan Dingler. It's because I did not have Garrett Crochet, Austin Hendrick, or Nick York in my top 20 players. And Soderstrom was definitely the further back of those three. Bitsko, I had 10th in the draft. He was my highest rated prep board. Tampa took him. No one does it better than Tampa right now. This one is a significant change in money. Instead of two million, it's three million to get Bitsko, but uh, I was willing to go there. And with pick thirty-six, uh, the Indians took Tanner Burns. We, we talked about Dylan Dingler was the last player from my top twenty. I had him at fourteen. I strongly considered him at twenty-one, just because the cost was cheaper. Like it was cheaper to draft Dylan Dingler than Carson Tucker. And I'm a big fan of of Dingler, uh, having had him 14th, having had Tucker like 50th, I would have preferred, honestly, if they had taken Dingler there in real life and saved even more money to possibly use on picks. But, uh, yeah, by taking Dingler, that does cost 350 k more than Burns. And originally in the second round, I was going to have him change uh, pick 56 and go way under slot there to allow me to spend more on day one. But I thought about it, Logan Allen was the highest-rated player the Indians drafted, by my board. So I'm keeping the Allen pick. He was, the Indians could use more left-handed pitching in their system in general. 
uh, 32nd, I think, on my big board. The only other guy I really considered here was Clayton Beater. Beater was uh, was higher on my board, assigned for a little bit more. But with my first two selections, there's risk with uh, Bitsko being a prep arm. There's risk with Dingler and the lack of reps and the chance that he, you know, the concerns with what the hit tool and will he access all of his ability. He's a riskier college selection. That's why he fell in Bitsko. I mean, prep arms are always risky. Allen is, is much safer than Clayton Beater. So I just kind of went for a little bit with safety there and to save a little bit of money, not that I really needed to. Pick 95, I could not find a way to also get helping in this draft class. I had to do saving somewhere. Uh, having spent you know, $1.4 million more on the first day of the draft than the Indians spent. Uh, so I took Leve Thomas, a right-handed pitcher from Troy University, which saved me $1.445 million. Levi Thomas uh, intrigued the heck out of me. If you follow me on Twitter at all, I was talking about him early on in the season because every single week he was striking out like 14, 15, 16 guys. Now, there's only four weeks, and you're like, well, he was pitching at Troy. Well, one of those starts where he was utterly dominant was against Florida, who was the number one team in the country at the time. Uh, completely shut them down. Uh, I don't think he maybe... No, I don't think he allowed a run in that one. Going six or seven innings in almost every outing. 42 strikeouts in 23 innings, allowing just the one run. 5'11". Turns 22 at the end of June. So he's an old junior. He's undersized. Uh, wasn't really on my radar before the year began, but he costs 60000 to sign. Uh, that savings here allows me to go and add two of the top 20 players in this class to the Indians by my uh, reckoning. So uh, just intrigued by the performance there. I, I looked at that and I thought, he has been really good and he has no right to be as good as he was. Let's pull the trigger. There were some other players I could have taken because I had significant savings overall. Uh, but Thomas was the most interesting player. So boom, Levi Thomas, Troy. Uh, picked 124, kept uh, Milan Tolentino, and my thought process here, I looked at Cole Keith, who went to the Tigers, who has bigger tools. Uh, Joe Boyle, who I've been a, a big fan of, who has all the ability to be you know, high-end starter or top-end closer, but went to the disaster that is Notre Dame in terms of development. Why keep Tolentino? Because he's exactly the type of guy I miss on. And he's also the type of guy the Indians have had success with. He's not all that different from a Ty Freeman, from a Tony Walters, guys like that, where I look at the limited tools instead of focusing on uh, the high game IQ and the things that I can't always quantify, what is what it comes down to. And he could be the next player in that line, like a solid defender, good, good bloodlines, can uh, use the whole field. Uh, it, you know, he's it, It's not an exciting profile, but it's also one that very easily translates. And sometimes I maybe get too caught up in tools and miss out on the guys who have very easy translatable skills, especially when it comes to prep hitters, and that's just a weakness over the years. So this is an area the Indians excel at. They know better than me more often than not. And whenever I talk to people that I trust, they loved him. Uh, all of my California Canucks loved him to death. And the last time I had that much love from a California Connect player, it was Shane Bieber. Now Bieber obviously became much more than anyone ever thought he'd be, but you know, just to throw that out there. And pick 154, keeping Mason Hickman, because again, if you've listened to this podcast, I have talked about, and I talk about this podcast in my write-up, that Hickman could be the best pick of this entire draft because he was the last pick, uh, he's the lowest paid of the picks, 
and he just fits the Indians' developmental mold. And Vandy had uh, talked about Chandler Day, Hugh Fisher, Jake Etter, the recent guys who did not add velocity like expected. And Hickman's part of that group, except for he dominated the SEC with low velocity. Uh, the weird thing, in the end, I ended up spending $92,700 less than the Indians. So I ended up being even cheaper. Uh, if I had had a, a little bit more money, uh, you know, if I had been able to go to the full amount without losing a draft pick, that's about 750000 left on the table. That would have allowed me to go out there and, and get a premium talent uh, with maybe one of those other selections. But I can only spend what the Indians can spend, and it was one of those things I'd rather get Levi Thomas for sixty thousand than someone else that I when I was looking through numbers for one hundred and fifty. Uh, so that's my shadow draft. That is like my final thing on the twenty twenty draft every year. We'll have to see in a few years. Am I right? Am I wrong? Uh, maybe it, it feels weird to revisit one of my other shadow drafts because a lot of those guys uh, just aren't playing right now. But we'll try a, a revisit of one of those later on in the year. But uh, yeah, that's 2020 draft, officially now done in my books. After the uh, Shadow Draft piece goes up, I can just kind of you know, close uh, the book and move to 2021 with who knows what's going to happen as college sports uh, in and of itself and all sports are just fraught with peril, as was shown by the Cardinals situation that we didn't even dive into on today's show. Uh, final thoughts, just before we go to close, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, you can't overreact. It's uh, 11 games of a season right now for the Cleveland Indians, and they're starting pitching again. Makes them dangerous. Makes them a team that uh, other teams won't want to face. But if you can't hit the brightest broadside of a barn, it doesn't matter. So give them some time. See what happens. In a 60-game season, it's hard to say how much time. When do we throw in a towel on this season? Uh, it's it's going to be such an odd year. It's one of those things, if they're really bad in August, if they're sticking around 500, but then we have to remember it's expanded playoffs, figuring that out. There's going to be a lot to, to track as long as the season can get through uh, the COVID concerns and the teams that are getting shut down. Uh, I didn't have enough time. Uh, I, if I ran a Marlins podcast, I wouldn't have enough time today to go through all the moves the Marlins made to try to have a team that can play for them. Uh, sooner rather than later. It's uh, it's a season fraught with peril, but it's still nice to have baseball. I had it on in the background uh, because this was not a game you wanted to focus on, but you gotta admit, having baseball in any form is still nice. I have been Jeff Ellis. Um, I need to give a special thank you. I will give it tomorrow. Uh, we had a new review on iTunes, and I want to make sure that I get the user's name in that as well, as always. But again, I just I can't thank the user base and the uh, the listeners. We are up 35% from a year ago in our listens, which is huge. That's a huge amount. Uh, I can't thank you all enough that we are up 35% uh, in an odd season where there's r- more reason than not to not care about baseball. For us to be up 35% is huge. And I say us because uh, each and every one of you are part of this podcast. So again, thank you so much. Thank you for the things like the reviews. Those do help out. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians Podcast. Remember to tune in the rest of the week as hopefully we'll have some good news to talk about. We'll also start diving back into the historical uh, information and we'll uh, we'll find ways to have fun with what has been a not-so-fun week of games. Uh, if nothing else, we got Shane Bieber to talk about tomorrow. Thank you all again, and as always, go Tribe!